Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Jesus, today I ask that you'd use your word to speak to us, challenge us. We invite it. We want to be more like you. We want to have our thoughts aligned with your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 Today I want to talk to you about that, that horizon point, that place where heaven touches earth. Today I want to talk to you about uh, what, what some would use this phrase, uh, uh, an open heaven. That place where heaven and earth touch and heavens open up. You know, throughout scripture, there's a number of times where it says that the heavens opened up. Let me give you a couple of examples in, in Scripture of times that heaven opened up. One of my favorite in the book of Acts, there's a, a guy named uh, Stephen. And Stephen, for his faith, is being persecuted to the point of death. And at his point, while he is being martyred, uh, it says this. He looked up. He says, I see heaven opening up. And I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. One of my favorite verses, you know, it's the only time in Scripture it says Jesus is standing, not sitting at the right hand of the Father. Every other time heaven is described, it's like there's the Father and then Jesus sitting at his right hand. And here's Stephen in the moment of his greatest sacrifice. As the heavens open up, he goes, oh, I see Jesus. He's standing by the Father. And everyone goes, oh, no, that's blasphemy. Man, he's making that up. Do you know what was happening? Jesus is standing up going, that's what I look for, Stephen. I'm looking for faith. There's a man of faith. I think Jesus is giving Stephen a little bit of a standing ovation in that moment. He's like, that is worthy of something special. A person who truly lives by devotion. A person who truly lives based on what they believe. A person of faith. There's another time in Scripture it says heaven opens. Uh, a man named Jacob in Je Genesis 28. Jacob is uh, in great distress. He's in this season where he goes, I don't know if anything is going to work out for me. Anyone ever felt that? He goes, I just, uh, like, maybe, maybe my life will just be bad. And maybe that's okay. That's kind of the place he's at. Seems that God loves other people. Maybe he doesn't love me. I can be okay with that. And he falls asleep. The Bible says he's like wandering and he's running away. He's trying to find purpose. And so he, he makes camp and he takes a rock and uses it as a pillow. I, I just want to say he's probably in a bit of a dark place. He's like, no, I, I just deserve a rock for a pillow. He's like finds a rock, puts his head down. He's like, you know, my life's just going to be, you know, average or a little bit below. I'm like a rock pillow guy. And it says, as he slept with his head upon that rock, in a dream, God opened up heavens and he showed Jacob this vision of a ladder coming from heaven. Have you ever heard the term Jacob's ladder? And you're like, oh yeah, that's, a, that's an exercise implement. It's like you walk up on Jacob. No, no. This comes from scripture. Jacob's ladder. He goes, Jacob, over you, I'm going to have an open heaven where angels will ascend and descend. You're going to have like this incredible communication with God, and you will also have the favor of God on your life. Heaven opened, and Jacob saw God more clearly. 
Let me show you another example. In the book of Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is being baptized. Jesus, not because he is flawed or imperfect, not because he is making a stance saying, you know, I was once in sin, but now I'm alive in Christ, but because he was modeling for us uh, a certain type of obedience, modeling for us the simplicity of, of taking a moment and saying, I am dead to myself, but I'm alive in in Christ. I am alive. And so he comes, he's baptized as he's pulled up out of the water. It says heaven opens and uh, the Holy Spirit descends upon him and remains. Someone says remains. That's a good word. The the, The Spirit rests upon Jesus and stays there. And then a voice comes from heaven who is the Father speaking. He says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The endorsement of God. That's a good day. I mean, I've had some good days. I've had some bad days. I'm just going to say that'd be a great day, right? Heaven opening up and God, booming voice from heaven saying, this is my son. I'm pleased with him. And you all should listen to him. And then an actual visual image of his spirit descending on Jesus and staying there. It's a good day. See, when heaven opens, God is seen more clearly. When heaven opens, there is a a blessing that comes upon those for whom it's opening for. You see Stephen, you see Jacob, you see Jesus. There's about 12 examples in Scripture of this phrase, like heaven opening up. And in each one of these examples, God becomes more clear, not only to the one who it is open for, but to everyone else around them. As heaven opens for for Jesus, everyone hears the voice of God. As heaven opens for Stephen, everyone hears his testimony. And to this day, a couple thousand years later, we talk about it. As heaven opened for Jacob, so much so that the term Jacob's ladder is one that we might use. And Jacob himself began to walk in an unprecedented blessing that extends to this very day, not only him, but all his descendants, favored, chosen, and blessed. When heaven opens, stuff happens. And so into this context, as we scan the horizon, I want to live at that place where heaven touches earth. How about you? I don't want to live forever looking at a sunrise that is not coming upon me. How about you? I want to live in the fullness of God's glory, in the fullness of, of, of his presence. I want to live in a place where he's become more real to me, and because he's become more real to me, he's more real to the people around me. I want to live that way. And the Bible, it it, it gives some description around this very concept, this concept of heaven opening up. In fact, the the Bible gives a a challenge, and with that challenge, a promise about heaven heaven opening up. Now, I want you to brace yourself today. Uh, What I'm going to talk about has financial implications for each one of us. And nobody said amen. What I'm talking about has, it's funny, isn't it? The initial thought that everyone thought is like, oh no, this is going to cost me. See, that's, that's, that's generally our emotional state towards finances. How much is it going to cost? But the reality of it is this, that the financial implications that the Bible speaks of are actually about the way that God blesses us. It's crazy. We initially think of fear where God is challenging us always to think of faith. 
We initially think of emotion where God is always challenging us towards devotion. Fear is a powerful motivator, isn't it? Advertisers know it. Politicians know it. Like, man, some political campaigns, you're like, what are they even talking about? It's like, imagine if the other candidate killed monkeys for fun. You're like, did they kill monkeys? I don't know. Imagine it. And you're like, wow, I'm so scared of a monkey-killing, you know, parliamentarian. I got to vote in a different way. It's crazy. This, this thought, like, fear is a powerful motivator for us. I would venture to say that many people who find themselves in a gym on the regular basis are scared of being fat more than they're motivated to look a certain way. They're scared of looking the way they don't want to look more than, than, than living in the health that they'd like. You know what I'm talking about. You with me? And a lot of times the decisions we make financially are scared, are, are, are fear-based decisions. But the Bible actually, it speaks of this promise. And so today I want to share this promise with you out of a place of devotion and not emotion. The truth is, on an emotional standpoint, it's easier to just never talk about money in church. That's just really true. Quite honestly, it's probably like the, the quickest church punchline you could ever find for someone who doesn't like church. Like, oh, they're always talking about money. And so emotionally, it would be so easy to say, I'm just going to steer clear of ever talking about money. Let's not talk about it. Let's just, let's just avoid it. But the truth is, there's a promise that is baked right in that this promise of living in an open heaven. And as I scan the horizon, I want to live there. And I want you to be there too. And I want us as a community to be in a place where God's blessing is touching down. Are you with me? Okay, in the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, God is now speaking. And, uh, and he uses a word that I'm going I'm to try to unpack in just a few minutes. Uh, I'm not going to take a long time on this, but I do want to unpack it. This book of Malachi chapter 3 and uh, verse 6, God is speaking. He says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. Someone say amen. He says, so, you descendants of Jacob. Remember, remember descendants of Jacob? Remember Jacob? Open heaven. God's saying, I'm going to bless you. Open heaven. You're going to hear from me. Uh, you're going to live under my blessing. Stay in this place. Stay in this place. So much so, he's like, hey, make this place a holy place for you. Come back and visit this place. Bring your kids to this place. Bring your grandkids to this place. Don't forget how I showed myself to you in this place. You are favored, Jacob, not because of anything you've done, but because of who I am. I want You were sitting on a rock. You were sleeping with your head on a rock, and I revealed myself to you not because the rock impressed me, but I just, because of who I am. Don't forget it. And so he says this, here you are, descendants of Jacob, because I don't change, you're not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees, and, and you haven't kept them. So return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But then you ask, here's God, he knows exactly what we're asking. He says, then you ask, how are we to return? God answers, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you ask God, how are we robbing you? And then he says this, you're robbing me in, in your tithes and in your offerings. And as a result, you're under a curse, the whole nation, because you're robbing me. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. 
I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your field will not drop, and the fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Interesting piece of scripture right there. God says this, my, my heart for you has always been, remember from Jacob, I opened up heaven, I told him I'm just going to bless him. That's always been my heart. That will continue to be my heart because my heart doesn't change. You're in a good place. Now, if I was fickle, if it wasn't true what Paul would later say about Jesus, that he is always yes, not yes, then no, then yes, then no, then yes, then no. He is consistent. If I wasn't consistent, at some point, I would respond emotionally to your lack of, of discipline, your lack of devotion, and I would say, well, I'm out of here. But because I'm not fickle, you're not destroyed. Here's, here's how this is going to work. I want you to just revisit that place of devotion and watch what I will do. It's really the only time that God he throws down this huge challenge. He goes, I want you to test me. Come on, put me to the test. Ask me the question. Put me in a position where, where you're relying on me and watch how I'll come through. He says, I'm going to open up heaven and I will pour out blessing on you so profound that, that you won't even know what to do with it. It'll be more than enough. That's a pretty crazy promise that God would give. It's a pretty confident stance for God to have in his own ability to bless us. I think it's true that he's thinking more about blessing us than we're thinking about being blessed. So he says this, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. Now, someone here, you're sitting here, tithe, that's an odd word for me. I don't understand the word. Let me describe it to you really quickly. The word tithe means tenth. It's actually what it actually means. And so there's sometimes like internet scholars God bless internet scholars. People who read things on the internet, and they're like, I know. And they're like, it's like, I've read it on Wikipedia, and I know Wikipedia is great because anyone can write on it, right? There's internet scholars who are like, you know, choose your own tithe. Pick your own how you want to respond, how you want to give. And that, that's all well and good. I hope you remember in that passage, Paul says this, I don't want to dominate you with how you should live out your faith. I just want us to do it together because you're going to stand in your own faith. You're going to have authority in the way that you stand in your faith. Now, 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 a tithe means a tenth. That's just what it means. There's no other way to define the word. It means a tenth. And, and it's actually described in Scripture as a principle this way, that whatever comes into my life, I honor God with the first, the first tenth. Are you asking for all of it? I mean, truthfully, kind of. Like, kind of, God expects all from us. But, but he's not looking to get money from us. God is looking to get money to us. You follow what I'm saying? Like, God is not greedy, and God is not needy. And if we're going to reflect him as a people, we can't be greedy, and we can't live with this mindset like we're needy. So the church is not greedy, and the church is not needy. We're, we're about to take on more challenges, more opportunity to actually give more. Like, they're, they're, I was sitting and explaining to someone this week. Uh, I, it's been really interesting as we've shared this vision. I've had friends from Australia and friends from Singapore and friends from Africa and all across America and in Canada. Being, hey, can I talk to you a bit about, like, what, what's your plan there? What are you thinking there? And the result of most of those conversations, people say, but isn't this just going to cost you more? Yep. Totally. But it was never about amassing wealth. It's about putting ourselves in a place where God's blessing doesn't come just to us, but through us. Are you with me? You following with me? So God isn't greedy, and God isn't needy. He's a giver. 
He's looking for ways to, to bless us. And so he says, here's what I want to do for you. I'm going to test you and then you test me. God says, here's my test to you. Do you trust me? And if you do, you're now putting the ball back in my court to bless you. And whoo, if you, <laughs> you put the ball in my court, I'm going to open up heaven on you and pour the floodgates of heaven so much so that you will have too much. You won't know what to do with it. I don't know about you. I am waiting for that moment in my life. How good would that be if one day we were sitting around and we're like, guys, we just have too much money. Sounds like, how are you guys doing? Like, honestly, as a family, I don't know. Like, we just have too much money. We're not sure what we're going to do with it all. God goes, hey, test me. Put me to the test. And in order for you to test me, I'm just going to give you this little test, that whatever comes into your life, I want you to honor me with, with the first. Now, someone goes, hold on. I read on the Internet that that is something called legalism. I read on the internet, that's, that's something called religion. It's something like Old Covenant or Old Testament or something. I don't know, but I, it's, it's not for today. The truth of the matter is that long before there was ever a covenant, there was this principle of tithing. So it both precedes and supersedes the Old Covenant. See, all the way back to Genesis 4.4. If you turn back to Genesis 4.4, you will find the first set of brothers, Cain and Abel, it says this, let, let me just show you this, that this has been a principle in, uh, in the hearts of, of man for all time. Check this out. Genesis chapter 4 and uh, in verse 4. Cain and Abel, they're brothers. It says this, verse 1. Uh, Abel may, uh, let's go down to verse, uh, verse 2. Later, Simply because verse 1 starts with Adam made love to his wife. It's a different, different message, okay? So we'll go to verse 2. That's a good message. I like preaching that message. It's just a different one. Verse 2 says this. Later, uh, Eve gave birth, and she had a son named Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So Abel had sheep. Cain had vegetables, okay? We got one carnivore, one vegetarian here in Scripture. In the course of time, Cain, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil, and he offered them to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. It's crazy. This is like a few little things. Someone's like, wow, is that an anti-vegetarian verse? As, as much as I would love to preach that message, it's not. It's not, okay? As much as we could have some fun, it's not that whatsoever. Do you, do you catch that, that term, in the course of time? Cain brought some. So Cain waited for his harvest to come in, amassed it, waited out, decided, what of this can I spare? And over the course of time, he took some of what he already had, and he said, hey, God, I just want you to know, thanks for all the stuff, and I want to honor you with some celery. Abel, however, before what he had had matured, follow with me, before the flocks had grown up, it says he took some of the firstborn. Before there was an indication that he'd have a whole flock, he honored God with the firstborn. Before it was mature, he said he took like the first bit and he honored God. Was God more into sheep than vegetables? No. God is all about heart. 
And the heart of Abel was this. Before I've even seen all that God will do, I want to honor him with the first and the best. I want to bring to God my first and my best. And what happened? God says, I, I, I favor that. I honor that in you. And Cain, after adding and tabulating all he had, said, what can I spare? Now, I, I read this and I ask myself the question, in which way do I live? Now, I'm grateful for, for my parents. When I first, I started working when I was eight years old. Now, I worked for my dad's company and for a family friend. So I don't know if it's really called work. It might just be their form of charity or slavery. I'm not sure. It's one of the two. Either it's child labor or it's charity. But I felt like I was working hard and I was also getting paid for that work. And I remember at eight years old sitting out and doing the simple math of 10%. You just drop a zero, right? I'm like, okay, I got $8. And that means that I drop one zero and I'm going to take 80 cents when I go to church this Sunday and I'm going to honor God. I'm grateful that that's been a, a pattern that's been taught in my life. And I have reaped that benefit over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like truly, I live in this, this place where every month, every year, every season, I'm like, God, how are you providing for me? It's amazing. I get asked the question all the time. How do you guys live in such an expensive city with such a big family? Most common question I get asked. And then, I, like, I stop and I pause and I smile. I'm like, yeah, I mean, God's, God's been really good to us. And we're having fun. That's usually my answer, actually, in that cadence. God's been good to us, and, yeah, we're having fun. And people are like, that's not a financial answer. I'm like, it's true. It's, it's a faith principle. It's a faith principle. I don't, I'm not going to pull up my budget for you and show you how we do it. It's a faith principle. God is ordering our steps. God is supplying for our needs. He's making a way where there really seems to be no way. Okay, so before law, you see Abel, he captured and understood the heart of God. I want to honor you with my first and my best. And God says, that is beautiful. I want to open up heaven on top of that. Later on, you see Abraham. Before there was the law, before there was Moses, there was Abraham. Abraham, in uh, Genesis chapter 14, he goes and he, his nephew's been kidnapped. He rescues him. And in the course of rescue him, he gets all this treasure. He comes back with all this treasure. And there, there's a priest there who comes and just goes, I just want you to know, Abraham, like this is an indication of how much God's going to keep on blessing you. It's crazy. You were going on a rescue mission and you ended up with treasure. You were doing something kind for others and in the process of doing something kind for others, which is maybe another word for somebody here, in the process of doing something for others, you got blessed. Come on. I'm going to keep on having that attitude towards you. As you keep on blessing others, I'm going to keep on blessing you. And then it says this, Abraham, he took a tenth of what he had and he said, hey, I just want to honor God by, by blessing you with this. Use it to bless more people. Wait, like a couple thousand years before there was a law, there was this principle of tithing working out. And then you read in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. In Matthew 23, 23, there's a group of people who thought they were smarter than Jesus. Maybe they would get along with us sometimes. And this group of people who thought they were smarter than Jesus, they're like, you know what we just don't have time for, don't have energy for, is to bless other people because we're so busy tithing. It's kind of funny. We're just so busy tithing. You know, we, we go to the, we, go, we really go the extra mile. We go to our spice cupboard. This is actually a practice they used to do. Every now and then, I just like to go look through my spices. You know, oregano, cumin, mint. And I take 10% of that spice. And then when I go to church, I bring the spices. I'm like, 
This is my tithe. The first and best of my dill. Just want to honor God with that dill. And so there's this debate. Some people are like, whoa, shouldn't like that dill could be given to someone else. Someone else is hungry for pickles. Why are you taking that dill to church? And they're like, because we honor the law. It was this weird debate about spices. And Jesus says this to the teachers of the law. He goes, why have you made this an either or proposition? Continue to tithe. But don't let tithe stop you from doing the more important thing. Crazy that Jesus says that, right? Like the more important thing of being compassionate to the needy, helping those around you, being generous. Like don't let a principle rob you from being a person. We've all been around that person, right? So principled that they're not even human. Like, hey, I want to live in principle. I want to live out of devotion, but don't let that devotion, why don't we put ourselves in a position where we expect more from God? Someone's like, isn't that wrong to expect more from God? No. In fact, he's the only one that it's appropriate for us to expect endlessly of. Don't expect everything from your spouse. Someone's marriage just got saved. Amazing. Don't expect everything from your kids. Don't expect everything from your job. Don't expect everything from your bank account. Some people are so stressed about money because they're asking their bank account to do something that it has no capability of doing. They're asking it to defend them from an impossible number of potential problems. They're looking at their bank account and then in fear saying, but what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if? And they're doing a, a mathematical equation. I don't have enough if all of that happened. Oh, and then there, there's global warming. What if that means I can't afford water? Add that up. And, and they're looking for a bank account that will have no bounds. Thinking in their head with the greatest intention, once I have more, then I really, I'm going to be so excited to be in a position to be a blessing to others. It's like this, this endless pit of no return. And what happens is you get robbed from blessing because you never get to be a blessing. And you live never feeling like you have enough, so never able to bless. And the Bible often puts it this way, that the way we bless others is like a seed sown. And what happens with seeds when you put them in, in soil? Over time, they grow. And so we're not putting any seed in the soil. And so the next season comes and nothing grew. And we're like, man, I have even less this year than I had last year. True, because you put no seed in the ground, right? That's the principle of when we give, we're putting, we're putting seed in the ground. I realize that I haven't talked about tithe that much, and we probably really need to give it more of a series than a message. But I'm about to come to a close today, okay? You see, some of us are expecting our bank account to be something that it just could never be. It can't be for anyone. There's nobody who has an endless resource except God. And so that same fear that I can put towards my finances, I want to take that same energy. That same fear, it, it actually feels similar to faith. Like both fear and faith rest on the imagination. You following me? Fear is letting your imagination hold you captive to all that could go wrong. Whereas faith is saying, I am going to use the imagination God give, gave me, use the creative thought processes that God gave me, and I'm going to point them towards what I see in my life with an expectation of all that God could do for the positive. I'm going to lean into that. 
There's a lot of people who expecting God is either greedy or needy, and the, the situation is so fearful, they're leaning away, and they're scared, and they're fight and flight, and all those emotions that come from fear. And then there's God who says this, test me, test me. The crazy thing is if we were to look through Scripture, trying to avoid all the principles of money, we would end up with a different kind of holy Bible, if you know what I'm talking about. Have a whole lot of gaps in it. Because I don't know about you, I, I think about money every day. For some of you, every time you pull out your debit card to tap, you're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you're just waiting for it to beep. You're trying to play it cool, but you're like, come on, approved, come on, approved, come on, approved. Yes! God is good. For some of you, you think about money every day by trying not to think about money. You know, I just don't want to think about what's maybe in my account, what the expenses could be. And so it's actually dominating your emotion trying to just not think about money. And when other people talk about like their retirement, you're like, la, 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 la. Like, I don't want to hear about it because I know I'm behind. Investment, that's not a good word around me. Some of us think about money all the time, quite honestly, because we just love to count it. We're like kids on the day after Halloween, pulling out all our candy again, putting it in piles. Look at all these coffee crisps. You know, we're, we're, I'll trade away these Tootsie Rolls for more Starburst, right? Sometimes we just like to count it. We get like for a, like a momentary little thought of like, whew, when we count our money. Some of us, for some reason, like to count it even though we get the opposite emotion every time we do. We count it through again and go, oh man, I should count it again. Some of us, we think about money all the time because of what we're saving for. We're looking for the next seat sale. And so we're like, oh man, if I do this and I do this and I do this, I see like we, we have alerts that come to our, our inbox telling us of cheap things. We think about money all the time in that way. Some of us are coupon cutters. Like, I don't know if I need that many rolls of toilet paper, but it's on sale. Right? Like, how much craft dinner do you really need in your house? You know what I'm talking about. We think about money all the time. And so God uses something that we already think about all the time. He goes, I want to position you for this, that you can test me with the thing you already think about all the time. Honor me with what's first. Like, I don't see this as a, an old principle that no longer applies. I actually, like, on the, the daily, think about this stuff. And it's exciting. Like, truly, the first thing when I, when I get paid, I'm like, ooh, I'm excited to, to tithe. That's somebody like, well, why? So God will bless you more? See, this would be an, also an easy message to preach. I'm closing with this easiest message ever to preach would be like, if you don't give, God won't bless you. Ball's in your court. That message has actually, unfortunately, been preached a lot. I think it's why talking about finance is the cheapest punchline in reference to church. It's been talked a lot, practiced a lot. Someone who doesn't have enough gets kind of the side glance like, well, somebody's not being generous. See, the, the truth of the matter is this. God doesn't bless us because of the way we perform. 
he blesses us because of who he is. It would be such an easy message. Like as a pastor, it would be like, hey, we need to bump up our budget. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull, you know, the, the silver bullet out of the holster and be like, unless you give, you can kiss those blessings goodbye. Bam. Easy preach. It would just be manipulative and heretical. Truth is God blesses us because of who he is. And then it's above and beyond thing. He goes, you know what? Like, I don't change, so you're not destroyed. But there are, there are certain things that as you lean into me, you're just going to understand me more. Because as you lean into me, I open up heaven and you see me more clearly for who I am. If you don't, hey, I'm still going to be me over here. And from where I am to where you are, I'll, I'll still get blessing into your life. But if you return to me, you come back to that place on the horizon where heaven and earth are touching, well, then you're just going to see me more clearly because I don't change. I've always been yes. I've always been amen. I'm always a blesser. I'm not greedy. I'm not needy. I'm always blessing. And there's these people like, well, why aren't we experiencing the blessing? And God's like, because you, you pulled away. Now I'm God. I'm big. I'm confident. I'm still, I'm finding ways to get blessing into your life. But if you draw near and position yourself, then, then you live under that heaven that's open wide with blessing flooding on your life. And that place, you won't even know what to do with it. See, it's not like God is in heaven and has like this little, you know, on like a, a corner store, you walk through the door and the bell rings. It's not like there's a bell in heaven when someone tithes and God's, ooh, time to bless someone. God is, is, is he's the same. He's a blesser. He's a giver. He's generous. Out of the fullness of who he is, we all receive one grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. But he goes, hey, if you return to me, you come a little closer, you're just going to position yourself underneath an open wide heaven and you're going to see me more clearly for who I am. Let me return to this, this passage that, that Paul speaks. I, I want to end with this because somebody's offended. Truth is, if you ever preach truth, it's offensive. And I'll be really honest, I, I feel emotional sometimes about money. So even if you're someone who's feeling a little offended right now or a little uncomfortable right now, you're not in trouble. You didn't do anything wrong. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says this, verse 24. I don't want to dominate you by telling you how to put your own faith into practice. I just want to work together with you so that you'll be full of joy for it's by your own faith that you stand firm. The truth of the matter is, like, if you never tithed again, God would not love you any different. If you choose never to tithe, you won't be treated any different in church. You also won't be treated any different if you start tithing. <laughs> You're like, how do I get a front row seat? No, it's not how it works. This is, this is simply like, we would be lying to not point this out in Scripture. We'd be holding back the promises of God. Paul goes, I'm not going to dominate you. I'm not going to show up at your workplace and ask to speak to HR and see how much you get paid so I can help you with it. And I just want to, let's work together. And in doing so, your faith will grow. See, what happens when we tithe? Our faith grows. And it's by our own faith that we stand firm. That's it. That's all. And then that blessing that pours over, did you see what, what it said in Malachi? It says, you'll have so much you won't know what to do with it, and everyone around you will say, what a delightful 
land. I mean, that's the way I want to live in my neighborhood. That people look at my life, they're like, I just, it doesn't add up. Doesn't make sense. It's like they're experiencing something I'm not. What a great setup that would be, right? Be like, I, well, I actually am. It's the favor of God, it's His kindness. He's always this way. He'd be this way. Like, he's always this way. It's just who God, who God is. I believe as a church, God is challenging us and calling us to, to step up. Tithing is an acknowledgement that God's our provider. When we tithe, we're stewarding something small with full anticipation, even like Abel. I haven't even seen how this thing is going to mature. I don't know how my investment portfolio is going to do, but I trust him. I trust him. And one of the most interesting things with uh, with being a parent is just hearing our own thought processes being said back to us. It's amazing. The things that frustrate us in these little humans that we then look in a mirror and see in ourselves. And then also on the other side, like the things that fill us with wonder in our kids. And then we go, man, God's our father. Is that the way he feels? Wow. It's amazing. My kids, like with confidence, they ask me for money so that they can bless others. Like, Dad, I've got a great idea for what I want to buy for my brother for Christmas. I'm like, dude, you don't have an income. I like the biggest Lego set. He's going to love it. Like, how, how are you going to pay for that? The truth is, you know what I love to see? I love to see a heart of generosity. I'm like, I'll fund that heart. I'll come along and fund that heart. Amazing the difference if I got my kids like, Dad, no, it would be awesome if you gave me money so I could bucket I could have lots of it and then I'd feel more safe should anything happen to you in the future like do do you think we ever kind of approach God that way like God here's what blessing looks like to me I want to make my own blessing give me lots of stuff so I can feel super confident that even if you aren't faithful the Royal Bank of Canada has my back like how crazy is that? It's crazy. Like it's crazy. I tell you, the heart I want to fund is the heart that's like I had this great idea for how I was going to bless somebody. Let's do it. I remember my grandma's here today. I remember the first time I ever went Christmas shopping. It was with my grandma, and I wanted to buy my dad something, and she paid for it. And do you know what I bought him? A single tube of chapstick. <laughs> The truth is, it's the biggest thing I could think. Like, what do you give to the guy who has it all? I remember a single tube of chapstick. I was probably five years old. We lived in a in a cold, wintry area, and I just thought, I know that's that's my. It's probably just that chapstick was on the aisle there, and we were walking through a, like a, a drugstore. I'm like, whoa, my dad uses that chapstick. Grandma, I want to get it for him. The crazy thing, I've never paid you back for that chapstick, Grandma. You see, 
If you couldn't hear, she just said this, oh, I don't even remember it. That's kind of the way God is with blessing. He's just like, oh, you have a heart for someone? Sure, I'll bless you. I'm not keeping track. I'm not keeping tabs. It's not like I'm going to call that against you and say, remember that time I blessed you? I've already blessed you enough to bless someone else. God funds heart. He comes behind with generosity. He goes, man, I want to get behind a good heart. Not a fearful heart. Not a fearful heart that's like, I just need to know that I have enough before I can become all that I've called, been called to be. I want to put my trust in God. Are you with me today? We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.